0: Show you a better way. You be Hi, folks. This is Jack Spirko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is Thursday, March the 19th. This is episode 2621 of the Survival Podcast. And uh, we've been doing some change-ups this week, bringing different expert council members on today. I've got Nicole Sauce with me, and normally you don't hear from the uh, guest during the intro, but Nicole's here, and I'm going to have her on during the intro because we're going to be talking about setting up side hustles today and the lesson in the value of a side hustle for people being out of work right now, the opportunities that they present, etc., plus there is big news About the covid pandemic out today i did a live video today on facebook so we're going to talk about the implications of what i am calling because it is a cure for the majority of people that test positive with this virus and other therapeutics uh i beat the president by about 10 minutes with the information i had from a source today if you didn't see that we're going to cover it but before we do hey nicole welcome to the survival podcast
1: great to be here jack
0: so we, we got you on to talk about side hustles today, right? And um, I want to do that, but I want to start out with giving people kind of an update with what's happened in the last couple of days about COVID. I, I, I didn't want to change things, guys. I'm breaking into the show here, um, and you'll hear me repeat this at the end of the show. You're about to hear me talk about a 50 of 50 cure rate, and I cannot deny or confirm that number right now. The report that I was able to find after we did all this showed a 75% cure rate versus 10% with not using this drug on a study about half the size, 25 patients, not 50, uh, out of France, which is where I heard that the study was from last night. The number you're hearing me giving, 50 of 50, 100%, came from the Tucker Carlson Show on mainstream media last night reported by, um, by Tucker and, and other folks and it may be the case that they're talking about the very study that I found, and it's just smaller than they said, and that eventually it was 100%. That When they wrote the paper, it was 75% fully recovered, and by the time this, you know, they'd already put the paper out, uh, the rest had recovered. I don't know. So I just want to mitigate that as you're listening to this. I think it's important that we do that. And, uh, but I also didn't want to alter the show because it was two-way and interactive with Nicole. So that's a little heads up here. And as good as the news is, there's still going to be some time that people are going to be very inconvenienced here. And that's why I think your topic today is perfect, because we are reaching probably the most optimistic people have been in two weeks.
1: And yeah, at the same I think time, when they we hear there's a cure, there's going to be a huge surge in spending.
0: Oh, God, yes. But also I think that people need to realize like there's a timeline for this to roll out, even though it's going to be – I think it's going to be way faster than the government is even – Promising. I think we're in the mode of under-promise, over-deliver. And so let me just – and you chime in whenever you want to on your thoughts on this stuff. Here's for the people that didn't see my video, the, the elevator version of what's happened. So one of the reasons I kind of underestimated this is I knew they had a cure, but I didn't realize the situation as a whole as to the implementation of that cure. So over a month ago, the Aussie said, we have a cure. Not we have a treatment. We have a cure. Like, this works. Now, I want to be clear that that doesn't mean that it works for someone who's already on a respirator. And exactly how far the disease can press with this thing being um, effective, um, I, I don't really know what that is. But in anybody that's not completely laid out from it, that's simply tested positive from it, it has shown to be like a hundred percent effective. The problem was where it was used in Japan, where it was used in Australia, uh, China used it and South Korea used it because the doctors were just like, we're trying to save people's lives. They had an inkling that this this old drug um, called Corlequin And I think I called it cosequin in my video because I'm a redneck and I don't pronounce shit right. But Mm -hmm. queen, this is an anti-malarial that I took when I was in the Army. It's been used since the 1940s. It's a very, very safe drug. Well, there was a lot of FDA regulations about using a drug, this and that, and they had to have a conclusive result. It's this thing to jump all this red tape, apparently, because that's what government does. Well... A French scientist released a peer-reviewed study this week, 50 patients in it. And again, peer-reviewed, legitimate study, isolating only the chloroquine, not the other two medications that were generally used for HIV that may be useful in some other situations. 50 patients, 50 administrations, 100% recovery. That's pretty good odds, Jack. It's, It's almost unheard of in the world of viruses. Yeah. If it would have been forty of fifty, it would be earth shattering, conclusive proof that it is an effective treatment. That's that's kind of what people need to get around. But it wasn't forty of fifty, it wasn't thirty-five of fifty. Twenty-five of fifty being better than not having it would still be a game changer. Fifty of fifty is a home run, grand slam, walk away at the end. You know, go ahead by by three, not go ahead by one. At the end of the World Series. That's how big that is. Okay, here's the other side of it. And this is what I had from a source, and I put this out this morning live on Facebook. You would think they would just start using this. Well, the problem is, it's so old, and it hasn't been used in any significant application for almost 20 years. It's been replaced by a newer drug that doesn't work for this. There's almost none of it. In the world, there's small amounts of it for research, there's small amounts of it for very severe uh, arthritis, actually, it's used for, and there's small amounts of it for, like, somebody gets this, like, resistant malaria so they can, like, throw it on top of the other one. So you can't just flip a switch and make 300 million doses of something that hasn't been made in quantity for 20-plus years, but apparently you can, and this is the part that came from my source. My source, and I, I agree to certain things when I use a source, my source works for a major pharmaceutical company, and he has told me that they are manufacturing this at breakneck speed right now. And when I heard about this, what I said to him was, I, you know, I feel like this is like World War II where you tell a typewriter company, I don't care that you make typewriters. Right now you're making M1s. And, and his response was, it ain't going to be necessary. The volume they're producing... Is ridiculous. And Trump then came out like 20 minutes after I did my video and said that it will be made available almost immediately. That tracks with my sources data um, that he said, you know, by next week. In the world of government, something that was not approved being available next week is, is, yeah. is yesterday in the world of government. Um, So I think you're going to see a very quick curtailing of this, but everybody needs to hold back on waving flags and going out in the streets and having a party because we're not done yet. We're not done with the lockdowns. We're not done with the social distancing. And a lot of people might be like, well, why did they do all this then if they knew this was coming? Number one, until this week, they didn't know which one it was. And producing three drugs versus producing one drug, big difference. Number two, it probably won't work for everybody, even though it worked for everybody in the study. There's probably a, a point that you cross in this with the people that develop the more severe disease that it doesn't work anymore, or it doesn't work as good, because it damages the lungs. And once the lungs are damaged, the lungs are damaged, Right. It doesn't. It doesn't even matter if you take away the cause of the damage. Now the lungs are damaged, and that's what's happening. to some of these people who are ending on respirators. It's basically turning their lungs into hamburger meat. So if you start telling people, "Hey, this is coming," and everybody starts ignoring these orders, we're all we're still like I, I hope people understand this. We're still going to get a huge spike in new cases. The difference is, and now I'm off my source. This is what I think is going to happen. I think that people that present with symptoms that seem like COVID that go to get testing by next week, whether they test before their test results come back, they're going to hand them a course of this medication. I think by the following week, anybody who's been tested positive, anybody that's in the same household as anybody that's tested positive, there's going to be a heroic effort to get it into their hands. Mm -hmm. And while this is going on, if you show up at a hospital, you show up anywhere and they think you have it as quickly as they can distribute it, it's going to happen. The other side of this is it appears, they're not 100% certain, but you would, if something prevents, if something cures something, it should also prevent it. I think you might see an effort to put a course of this through almost every American within three to four weeks. Almost like the response, now I, I'm guessing there, I'd put the odds of that, but everything I said up to that point, I'd put the odds at like 98%. The last one, i put my odds at like 80%, 85% on that. But, My understanding of the sheer volume, the breakneck speed of the manufacturing of this, and I don't know anything about the other drugs, right? I I want to be clear about it. I don't know shit about the status of the HIV ones, the Ebola ones, everything else. I don't know anything about that. I know this one is being manufactured at a speed that that they've probably never done before. Literally like a war response. And then my guess is we're going to treat the United States, we're going to distribute to Canada, Mexico, we're going to distribute to the rest of the world. That, that's what I think is coming here, and I think it's going to knock this thing flat on its ass. doesn't mean nobody will continue to die. doesn't mean there won't be any advanced cases, but I think that it's going to have a massive knock-this-thing-on-its-ass effect. You're going to get a massive recovery of the economy, and love them or hate them, or like or not like the consequence, I think Trump's going to come out of this looking really good.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, there's an element here, though, Jack, of don't let a good crisis go to rape. Oh, numbers.
0: no. <laughs> don't yeah.
1: Yeah, because that's Conspiracy, my- Nicole, has arrived.
0: So it's not even a conspiracy, right? It's just up front. So yeah. when Trump came out, he was very somber, but he and he said it could be four months of of this restriction movement. That's, that's bad. But he also said this other thing he said 15 days to control the virus. And. That made sense to me, but it was a stretch. And the way it made sense to me was looking at things like Italy and all. And Italy's like in the worst-case scenario right now. But their data projections are that this is the top of the new infection rate. And that everything is downhill from here. That took about two weeks after massive restrictions. We got on it a little earlier than they did with the restrictions. So it was like, okay, yeah. But if you dump this being available next week in large quantities to hospitals and doctors throughout the country into that statement of 15 days to control the virus, all of a sudden it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, now, the other side of this, the crisis not going to waste, now it also makes sense why the absolute flat pedal to the metal pushing of the bailout stuff, the helicopter money through Congress... Before that cur- before that turn happens, you want to get it done. You want to get it done during the, cru- the peak of the crisis. Not as the ebbing of the crisis is coming, because people will start going, to, do we really need to do this? And I believe, okay, I, I do political analysis, not political advocation. I'm not Sean Hannity, and I'm not a CNN anchor either, right? I, I do political analysis. I believe that Trump believes that all of this is necessary to restart the economy. And therefore, you get it done while you can, so it's sitting on the other side of this. And short term, I think it'll work as best as it can. It is kind of like a restart button. Like, you got to fire this all back up. But then long-term consequences, man. I think that, boy, are you setting a precedent for the government can fix everything.
1: Yeah, well, they're, they're mailing us checks, right? Uh,
0: uh, the, <laughs> be, uh, the belief I have right now is it might be every American $1,000 for one month or two. There's some saner people saying, well, you know, Jack Spierko probably doesn't need a thousand bucks. Yeah. Right. So whoever lost the job, whoever's been financially impacted, whatever. I, the one thing I want to say about that, and I talked to, on Curtis Stone's sh- uh, show about this last night, everybody's screaming and freaking out about hyperinflation. You're not going to get hyperinflation from this. I'm not saying you can't ever have hyperinflation. And I can't, I'm not saying it won't start here. I'm saying in the next two months, you're not going to get hyperinflation. You can't. First of all, a trillion dollars, as big as it sounds, is not that much money relative to the M3, which is the total money supply.
1: Yeah, most Americans earn more than $1,000 a month anyway.
0: Yeah, okay. Now, the next thing is most people are behind now. You don't make a pile with dirt when you throw the dirt into a hole. So if somebody's behind in income by two grand and you give them $1,000, effectively the net gain in the economy on money is zero. It's actually negative 1000 for that individual. that makes sense? Yep. You're putting money in a hole. This is why they put over $50 trillion in the economies of the world in 2008, 2009, 2010, and everybody screamed there would be hyperinflation, and there wasn't, because they didn't put new money in the economy. They filled the hole. They took the money that disappeared, the debts that weren't paid, and they filled the hole. And so... Thinking you're going to get hyperinflation with a trillion, trillion and a half dollars during a complete economic shutdown and a you know basically recession of some sort, they can only hope for some inflation. Now, that doesn't mean you might have short-term inflation of high-demand goods. You give everybody a grand and everybody's refrigerator's bare, what's going to happen? Everybody goes where? Grocery store. right? So you might see, after already being pressured – the cost of meat and cheese and produce and everything go up for a while, but that's even self-correcting because you can only hoard so much. By the way, if you if you we're, if we are still under restriction, and you know that check's coming next week, and you can go to the grocery store this week, go to the grocery store this week, and I I hate credit cards. Put your groceries on your credit card if you need to, because once the government says the check's coming, it's coming. Pay your credit card bill with your check, because yeah. if you wait till after that check comes out. You think the lines are crazy at, at, you know, Piggly Wiggly right now? Wait till the day those checks hit. Oh, you'll be nuts. Right? Think about this. Like, right now, even when things – well, not right now. Let's say six months ago when things were great. Did you ever want to go to Costco or Walmart or the grocery store or anywhere on the 1st or the 15th?
1: Or also not the first weekend.
0: Right, yeah. Any month. Right? Yeah. Because all the government checks go out. And that's not even – like, sometimes when I say that people think I'm talking about welfare – I'm not talking about welfare. Every single government employee is paid the 1st and the 15th. Soldiers are paid the 1st and the 15th. So it is like the snap cards and all, sure. But it's every single federal government and most state government employees are paid twice a month. So that's just people just getting their normal money in the best of times. And what the grocery store looks like, That you're right, that first weekend, whole like Saturday morning after the 1st, after the 15th. Do you go to the grocery store then?
1: No, even the farmers market where I go. Yeah, they just get they get more slammed on those days than any other days of the month.
0: You know what I call those people that have regular jobs that have to shop on weekends? Muggles. <laughs> 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 They're Muggles. I don't even go to the grocery store on the weekend as it is, but yeah. So like, I, I you kind know, of that's where we're at, and I think that we're going to come out of this now faster. Not immediately, and that's something people need to to grab onto and get a hold of and relax and use this downtime. But what is going to happen is a lot of businesses that may have just cut people loose are not going to. Because, see, and I I think a lot of people have never run a business. You have and I have, and, Mm -hmm. and I've run big businesses, little businesses, medium businesses. The bigger my business gets the more I hate uncertainty. And the smaller my business gets, the more I hate uncertainty, right? Because either I have a big payroll to meet or I'm totally screwed. So a lot of really small businesses and a lot of really big businesses that may have furloughed a lot of people or just shuttered the doors, if they positively know, hey, I'm going to be able to just kind of go back to mostly normal in 30 days, they're more likely to say, you know what, guys, I can't pay you full payroll during this period. I'll pay you 20 hours a week to stay home. Right? Or I'm going to lay you off so you can collect unemployment, but I'm going to hire you again in 30 days. Yeah. Or any of a million versions thereof. You get to a point where the the company's sitting there going, this could go on to August, or it might be gone next week. The decisions to get made are totally different in that world. If you look at any time the stock market starts to tank on its ass, and forget recently, just over the history of the market, uncertainty. A stock market will do better, this is crazy, but it will do better with certain negative news than uncertain mediocre news. Because if it's certain news, if I know, the, if I know what's coming... Then I and every business I'm investing in can plan for that known. If we have an unknown, then it makes it very difficult to plan my investment strategy. It makes it very difficult to plan my business strategy. And and that's a lot of why this went nuts because people just don't know. And I think as soon as certainty returns, like you're going to see crazy reaction by the market. Um, I know of one person who, while this market was down, the 1000 at like twenty thousand. Was sitting on a million dollars cash,
1: mm-hmm.
0: bought all in at around twenty thousand. That person's going to be pretty happy in about four or five months.
1: Yeah, Bitcoin just went up a thousand this morning.
0: Yeah this this is this is tinkling out and you're going to get dead count bounces in this guys because by Wednesday next week they're going to come on the TV and go despite optimistic news. The United <laughs> States now has thirty thousand confirmed cases. Of COVID-19, which is a lie, because COVID-19 is the disease, not the virus, right? But that's what they're going to... Because CNN, MSNBC and all, they're going to spin this any way negative they can now. They hate the Orange Band. The Orange Band is going to look like freaking, like Hawk Hogan in the middle of the 1980s telling kids to eat their vitamins and say their prayers at the end of this, right? That's not an advocacy. That's just a a prognostication. And I'll tell you what they're going to say. Trump held back the cure. That's... I, I defy anybody to take a hundred dollar bet with me that that phrase won't be used in the next 15 days. You want to take that bet? Nicole? Uh, No. Okay. I thought thought you dropped. I just scared you. No, no, no. no. Oh,
1: you're SQP, not your (laughs) business. Nope. I
0: don't. (laughs) No. Hundred dollar bet in the next 15 days. They're going to say he held back the cure. Then they're going to say he's monopolizing the cure and we should be shipping it to Europe already. Yeah. Right. we should be Let's shipping be it to China send, like, to make
1: th- polio lines for that.
0: Yeah. Like th- the reality is we will ship it. But yeah. we're going to fix our problem first, because if you have any brains, that's what you do always. I know that you'll look out for your neighbors, but the first thing you're going to do is take care of Nicole's household. Right. Then you look at your neighbors. Then you look at your neighbor's neighbors. And eventually you go, okay, my resources are done, and I'm still stable because the minute I become unstable, I go from being an asset to my neighbors to a burden for my neighbors. Right. You run a state the same way, a country the same way, a city the same way, a county the same way, a village the same way. Well, you should.
1: Well, and if our (laughs) whole country basically is able to be made so we're not getting it, we stop the spread. That's the other thing is we stop it before it starts here and then goes to Mexico and Canada.
0: Yeah, because right now Canada and Mexico are in way better shape than us. They
1: are. I have a friend stuck in Mexico right now. I was like, yeah, you should just stay there anyway. Stay there. (laughs) Stay
0: there and stay away from people. That's all you got to do. If you go to the beach, stay 10 feet away from people on the beach. If the wind's blowing from a person, go around the other side of them and go on about your life in Mexico, and you'll be fine. And and you guys are going to be fine here. So let's transition now, because what you wanted to come on and talk about today is finding a side hustle. That's one of your passions. You have a lot of passions that you do side hustles with, like coffee, but you're like me. You're also passionate about teaching and encouraging others. Oh, yeah. And I've had you on the show about this before. I've had you to my home to present, and you always present, at least partially, on, on finding a side hustle I've been to your events, and at my events, you've organized secondary kind of groups, kind of like entrepreneur springboards. Yep. And right now, there's a lot of people thinking, man, is this really a good time to start a business or a side hustle? And your answer to that is?
1: Yes, especially if you are at home right now. So if you've been sent home to work from home and you're still working, that's one thing, right? But I'm hearing from people who some of them were running their own business. I'm thinking of somebody who runs a pet business sitting business who's not pet sitting anymore because she's in a high, highly impacted area. And now she's home. Her clients don't want her to come because nobody wants to spread it. Well, you know what? That's the perfect time to, if you already have a side hustle, invest way more into furthering it or find something new to do while your income is cut off. There, it's, you can almost instantly get approved to do something like Grubhub right now. Mm-hmm. and start making money and if you do it well in a very sanitary way you'll get higher tips because people who are stuck at home and can't leave and in high risk categories don't really want to go to the store Absolutely. they don't want to go, you know so that's like that's a no brainer this person by the way she has always had a side hustle cooking for people like meals and delivering them mm-hmm. i saw her go just full monty on promoting that this morning after taking one night to say, Bummer, I just lost my income, she said, This is everything I can deliver to you, and here's how I'm doing it in a sanitary way. <laughs>
0: Isn't that interesting that people that think differently can get through something like this than people that have the same assets and can't. Yeah. yeah. It, it reminds me of a story I read years ago when one of the wildfire breakouts in California, and this is, you know, probably ten years back. I think it was a Nat Geo article. And it was how One of these one guy basically took some actions before he left his house and all his neighbor's houses burned down and his didn't. But it turned out like every single one of his neighbors had access to everything he had. He basically like threw a pump in his pool and soaked everything down, did a few other things and got out and his house didn't burn down. And like all his neighbors had pools, you know, everybody could have done something, but instead they just left. And he didn't wait to leave. He left early, like he was told. He just took some preemptive action. And, like, I wonder how many times people sit with everything they need to get through something and and don't because they didn't even take step one. Evaluate your tools. What do you have?
1: Right. And I think it is a mindset because what you're supposed to do when you get sent home with no job is apply for unemployment, which there are expanded benefits and reduced requirements. And start getting that check, which is going to be, I don't know. I've never been on unemployment, but 25 or 50% of your income. Yep. If to hear it's 400 something a week, depends yep. on how much you make. And then realize that you can't make your mortgage payment. Well, while you're doing that and they're not actually paying all that much attention to how much you're making each week, look around for ways to earn money instantly. There are, because of the, the quote unquote gig economy, there are ways and to make, to make um, money very quickly instantly get it transferred to a PayPal account within a week and then you have money coming in or you can build your own thing you can look it around for a need and fill that need
0: well and look at like your friend that has the delivery thing and doing her own food production and all gonna yeah. bet a lot of that gets paid for in, uh, in 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 cash
1: yep and she is she has a homestead mentality so i don't think she lives in the country but she has some land and she cans like a crazy woman in the summer so she has a whole bunch of food stored to pull from. So even better, she doesn't have to go to the store to buy all the ingredients. It's there.
0: That's awesome. And, I, you know, I was talking to uh, Curtis Stone last night, and we were su- we were supposed to talk about agorism, um, but we made the appointment for the interview three weeks ago. So yeah. in the meantime, Apocalypse 2.0 hit. Uh, so we spent most of the time on COVID and, and kind of some things that were coming. Um and how people can deal with it now that it's here. But when we started talking about a little bit of the agorism idea toward the end, you know, he started talking about CSAs. And I don't yeah. know if you've watched his videos and all, but he, he doesn't farm anymore. But he, he farmed full time for ah, eight or 10 years. Mm-hmm. And he always hated CSAs. And I'm like, but you hate CSAs? He goes, yeah, I, I don't right now.
1: <laughs> and I signed and- up for a milkshare like a goat share three weeks ago. I'm still waiting for them to prove me because they've been all worried about making sure they have enough feed. But I'm like, that's how I get my milk in this situation. I just won't even need it. You won't even care. Yeah. And I support a local farmer.
0: We, uh, as soon as this started, we ordered enough duck feed to go four months. Nice. Okay. So with my new flock that I brought in this fall, I, if I ate four eggs a day and my wife ate four eggs a day, every day, of our lives, which we're not going to do. I love eggs, but not that much. <laughs> I could never use all my eggs. Well, all of a sudden, my neighbors are always like, duck eggs, $8 a dozen? Uh, can I get some duck eggs? Right? Yep. So, you know, we've talked about doing kind of a micro-CSA, and I've put that out. And I know some somebody in your group is kind of, like, note-taking and ferreting that out, and I think that's a uh, great idea, carry. like, building a business plan with it. Yep. Um, I think that that is one of the best little side hustles people can do, and I want to be clear when I say that. I think if you want to make $50,000 a year farming, you are going to have to work really, really hard, really, really long, and it's going to be a lot more work than you ever imagined it to be. I think if you want to make $250 a week, if you do it right, if you build it off of your neighbor's, if you use a combination of technology and technique so that you can produce year-round, and if you're strategic about the way you set it up, I think you can make $250 a week in your spare effing time.
1: Right, and if you don't become dependent on that as part of your income in a situation like this, it's, it's replacing part of your income. If you become dependent on it while you're doing it in advance as part of your income, then you're building a problem for yourself in the event that you have a job loss. So that's the other part of a side hustle. If you're doing it as a side hustle to add one to three hundred bucks a week, uh, you want to make sure that's one to three hundred bucks a week that's going into savings or going to pay off your debt, if that's something that you're still yep, addressing. I agree. Rather than rather than okay, now we can afford a bigger house. Yeah.
0: So like that's a really important thing. It's where I was going next too. So my view on that is, unless you weren't surviving let's say you were going negative and now you've got a side hustle to at least break even okay then i understand that if you were surviving before you started doing your side hustle what you've said is you have the budgetary capability of surviving without the side hustle that side hustle not doesn't need to be found money it needs to be one money right found Mm -hmm. money is gee let's go piss this away (laughs) one money is this dollar is now my slave OK, this dollar is my slave. It exists solely for the purpose of replicating itself. Right. It's going to go into investments. It's going to go into savings or I'm going to invest it in myself. So if I'm making two hundred dollars a week and I'm like, I like this, whatever, it was a CSA, whatever. And now that I have numbers and metrics and hours and formulas, I know that I can double this by doing these things and not hate my life.
1: And that's an important piece: the not hate your life, but it's not, not hate my right life. The right
0: choice to double. Now, if I take <laughs> that money and I use it to expand my little CSA, expand my hydro kit, or whatever it is, so that I can double, and I know I can double because I've already like I'm already turning people away. People love what I'm doing, and I have real numbers, and I know it's not revenue; it's profit. God, that's important. Then, if I yes, take that money and I expand my operation with it, that dollar is now really, absolutely. My slave. And I get that terminology. I always give credit from George Clausen's from his book, The Richest Man of Babylon. That was one of his tenets of being wealthy, that when money comes into your hands, rather than spend it on a fine robe, you make it your slave so that it produces more of itself. And side hustles are one of the best ways I know to do that. And like you said, the other use is the, 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 the dissolving of debt. Like you can dissolve debt really, really fast with side hustles because it's all extra money,
1: right? So what are some, and you just decide where it goes?
0: <laughs> you decide where it goes and you do it in order, smallest debt first, all in. I mean, that's that's you know, the debt snowball. Like, like I don't talk a lot about debt elimination. Occasionally, I do a show on it, maybe once a year, because yeah. the, the the answer to that is Dave Ramsey, right? Dave yeah. Ramsey, you're going to listen to a five hour radio show for fifteen minutes of content because it's all the same. But the reason he's been able to build an empire on it, that 15 minutes of content, it works.
1: Though so I can say, because I basically use that method, I'm still paying off stupid debt. Okay. I had to build a much larger emergency fund slash cash flow cushion. Yeah. Than he recommends because of the nature of how I make money. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, like, so, yeah. and that actually saved my butt just now because coffee orders flatlined when this started coming out in late February. Hmm. Just completely flatlined. And then last weekend, all of a sudden, it became Christmas at Holler Holler Roast Coffee.
0: Well, yeah, because everybody's like, well, I want to drink coffee
1: during the apocalypse. <laughs> Come on, yeah, priorities. They were be- like, we don't know how this is going to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, wait a minute. I'll tell you what happened. All your regular customers, we don't yeah. know how this is going to be. They kept drinking the coffee. Yeah. They started looking at the bottom of the bag and going, hmm, I can go to Walmart fight off the hordes of infected maniacs to drink Folgers. Right. Or Nicole will ship coffee to my house. Mm Mm-hmm. I also think something really good is starting to be shown in America. Okay, there are assholes out there. Most people (laughs) seem (laughs) to be like assholes. That's all the social distancing. That's easy. I hate most people anyway, right? That's fine. No problem. (laughs) No problem. Way ahead of you here. Um, But... I think you're starting to see that the majority of Americans actually care about other people. And you're starting to see people like, "Oh, I'm going to order from the small business. I'm going to order from this local restaurant and go pick my order up. I'm going to do these things because it's what I can do. And I think for all the things we mocked people for, like the toilet paper and water, what happened is people thought, well, this is something I can do. And they realized they didn't know that it was a dumb thing to do, right? Water comes from your faucet. Toilet paper, okay, fine, but... You know, come on, two or three 12-packs, and you should be good for a while. Like, ration your your butt wipe. You know, calm down here. Um, but they did it because it was what they could do. And now people are starting to figure out that what they can do can be a hell of a lot more positive.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I also think, like, yeah, there's opportunity right now because of the acute situation. But don't you think the long-term side hustle, small business opportunity is going to escalate once this is over because – I guess the upside of this, this is the first disaster we have that touched everybody in America significantly. Even 9-11, it was more emotional than reality. Three days after 9-11, if you wanted to go to the grocery store, you could, and there was no no problem getting food. Two weeks after 9-11, you could get on an airplane and go anywhere in the world.
1: Yeah, right? I flew on October 11th after 9-11. Yeah. No, right? no problems. Ex- I mean, extra security.
0: I drove past smoking rubble on my way to Hartford for a trade show. Mm-hmm. Going up the you know the other side of the river and I looked over and watched the smoke coming out as first responders were still trying to put fires out and I could smell the acrid nature of the burning wires and I was going to work. Right? That's not happening now. So for right. the first time in the world People reached into this generation, I would say the the current three generations of Americans. Boomers, Xers, Millennials, the kids that are in Gen Y, they don't really know what's going on. They're just out of school. But that three generations never lived through the Great Depression, World War II, etc. They've never seen national sacrifice in their existence. They saw the Vietnam War. But unless you got drafted, it was somebody else's problem. They've seen hurricanes, but unless you lived where it happened, it was somebody else's problem. Now it's everybody's problem. That sucks, but it also says, hey, hey, wake up. You're not invulnerable.
1: Yeah, and I find it interesting that the solution that people have been fighting so hard, the gig economy, because it's terrible for people, according (laughs) to them, and regulators want to eliminate, if at all possible, because having employees in yeah. the mix is easier for them to control. Yeah, is one of the best solutions for everybody now.
0: How many people it's, never ordered DoorDash until last week?
1: Yeah, DoorDash is advertising like mad on <sighs> Facebook. By the way,
0: Amazon hire is hiring, but um, when you hear that, it sounds like well, you know, they're going to a hundred thousand people. In the next two weeks, they're already on it. I yeah. just talked to—I had a, a a big delivery of dog food come, I just added to the puppies' stores, you know, because it was easy. I was like, "Oh, Pedigree's on on sale in the middle of the apocalypse." That's oh, not my favorite dog food for them, but you know, it's stores and it's good. So I ordered like you know four bags. So the guy va- backed his spinner van in and dumped it off in my garage, um, and I talked to him about it. He said, "I said, so you guys must be killing yourselves." He goes, "It's not really that bad." I'm like, well, he goes, yeah, they're hiring all these new people, and uh, so they're spreading it out. Yeah. So that's all. that solution's already happening, and I'm like, I guess they're all going to get laid off. He goes, well, they won't lay anybody off, and they won't fire anybody. He said they do this every year at Christmas. He said what they'll do is they'll start – once this winds down, they'll start cutting hours so that people will quit. Right. So that's already in place. You know that, They're already doing that, but I do see – I see this marketing piece. You're a marketer, so let's segue to this for a second. Imagine this marketing piece. Bezos or some Amazon tool comes out after this is all over and says, in the middle of a crisis, we were there for you. Now, be there for us. Don't stop ordering your staples from Amazon. Make sure that we're able to maintain this level of delivery. So if it happens again, you can count on us. All we need to be able to do is count on you.
1: And they're going to make it so you can subscribe to what you ordered really easily. And Bezos, if you use that
0: shit, you owe me a million dollars.
1: You know that's going to happen, though.
0: Oh, I do. I do. Uh, just like I think, I think Biden's uh, campaign slogan is going to be "Biden 2020: A Clear Vision for America." Yeah, like I, I, it writes itself. Except, I don't know. Maybe it'll be no malarkey. Anyway, back to the topic. Like, what are some other things you can see people engaging in right now? start to develop that side income.
1: So I I actually crowdsourced this on Facebook because I thought, you know, I have some ideas and I'm thinking of different options. And I think we should do that on your forum right after this episode is start a chain where people put ideas in. Okay. But I know a guy in Canada – because they don't have Instacart in his town, has put out on Craigslist that he will deliver to elderly people for a small fee, so he's not trying to gouge them. Yeah. And then he describes his sanitation process.
0: Okay, love that.
1: So the key there is how I'm keeping it sanitary. I'm going to help you, and I will go get your groceries. But there are a bunch of tools like Grubhub and DoorDash and Uber Eats that connect people with food, which seems to be the biggest need. Um. You can be paid to edit. If you're a good editor, Rev.com will pay you to proofread things. So if you can proofread, that's something you can start doing right now and earn money.
0: Not good for Um, me, but a lot of
1: people would be good at that. (laughs) Right. Also not good for me, by the way. I'm really good at writing it and less good at proofreading it. That's why I pay a proofreader when I have Yeah, absolutely. Oh, the the junk I have done. You know, people who have graphic design skills, Fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R is a really good one. Uh, That same guy who is starting, you know, starting to get really into this micro CSA concept, and he's putting together a guide that I think he wants to sell access to later. Okay. So that people who um, need to have it written down can have it written down. He's said also that vintage items for prepping are selling on eBay (laughs) at a heavy clip. So if you have that extra wheat grinder around, right now might be the time to list it on Facebook Marketplace. So, I mean, those are just, that was just a couple. I I have a list of like 50 things in front of me right now. If you're a writer, Verblio, dot com is a way that you can get paid to write. You're not going to get paid top dollar, but you're going to get paid something. And if your situation is one where you are suddenly out of income, something is better than nothing, in my opinion. And you can build your reputation and turn those things into much better opportunities. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think one of the other things I I really would encourage people to learn from this is if you set up your side hustle or set up your small business or set up your main business, you need to have a business survival plan. Yes. And you need to design your business to be dynamically flexible. Uh, What I said on Curtis's show last night is if you don't design dynamic flexibility into your business, it is not if you will go bankrupt. It is when. Sooner or later, there will be a flux that you will not survive as an entity if you do not have dynamic flexibility. And sometimes dynamic flexibility is getting rid of your worst employees right ahead of a crisis. I did that with a headhunting company. My partner and I sat down. We brought all of the execs. This is a large company. This is you know tens of millions of dollars of sales. We brought them all in, and, and this was in 2007, 2008. And we said, and we were in the tech sector. And we said, a recession is coming and we need a plan to get through it. And every single one of them denied it was coming. Every single one of them was like, no, we don't need a late, whatever. We put a metric in place because we were, you know, we were paying people on commission and base salary. And a person that wasn't making a lot of commission was eating a lot of base salary. That was the way to look at it. We identified our weakest players, we put them on a coaching intensive. Like, it was not comfortable for them. Program, and out of like eight people identified for that, one survived it. Seven mm-hmm. seven went away. That was a significant savings to payroll. We had to do some cutting of some things and let people be more reliant on their incentive comp. And the way we handled that was we said, we're going to cut your base, but we're going to increase your incentive comp. And the good people were like, Okay. Right on. Okay. And then we also, so then we added in flexibility. Since you're being paid almost, you know, some of the people were like, we made a deal too. Like, you want to be 100% incentive comp, here's the deal. Some of them took that shit. Okay, you're on 100% incentive comp, you want to work from home today? I don't give a shit. Go ahead. And that company came through, you know, what they called the Great Recession. Revenue did go down. But we didn't have to lay anybody off because of the recession. We got rid of the people prior to that's only one example. But it's how you have to think, especially as a solopreneur, because you don't have somebody to lay off. You don't right. have staff. You just have yourself. You know, uh, one of our mutual friends right now, John Dowie, sells microgreens to restaurants. Yeah. Uh oh. But, you yeah. know, I think he did, like, almost 100 bucks yesterday in direct retail sales.
1: Yeah, he, he and I talked over the, I think it was over the weekend, and he said, yeah, I think it's time for me to really ramp up pushing towards direct-to-consumer sales. And I said, yeah, do it. That's what you got left, besides going to find another job.
0: Because even if his restaurants are doing delivery, takeout, whatever, yeah. okay, you're not going to put fancy microgreens on something that goes in a styrofoam, you know, uh, clamshell. You just, You're not going to spend the money on that right now. So like all his – it's like a that's like a luxury business sector, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're I, – I love selling to luxury. Selling to luxury is people that pay more than something's worth because they want it. Because it looks a certain way, smells a certain way, sounds a certain way, has a certain label on it. I love that. And I love selling to wants over needs. But there's a crossover – like people actually cut – Needs before wants. They look for a cheaper electric provider or whatever, but they need electricity. But there's a threshold where you go to a certain level of luxury that then you cut. Mm-hmm. So if you're selling in that level, you better have a secondary channel. Because in something like this, you know, a luxury is Charmin, I guess. Right?
1: <laughs> Any toilet paper works first, and then yeah. if you can get it, Charmin.
0: Yeah, Charmin's a luxury. Uh, Quilted Northern is like ah, oh. <laughs> and, and my luxury budget is going to Quilted Northern, not red amaranth microgreens. But you can grow a shitload of the easiest microgreens to grow because they all taste great,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then you can sell you know packages for ten bucks to your neighbors, and that's what that's what he's doing. He basically said his, his the thing he has his bag he has to make. During the crisis, it's about $500 a week. Keeps the lights on. Keeps keeps the rent paid. Keeps the electric bill paid. If I can get through this, you know, and if he can get a $1,000 Trump check, add that to the end. And, you know, this is the thing people don't understand about this. This, this is not the end of civilization. When this ends, people are going to want to go to restaurants. Yeah. In fact, I see a run on restaurants. Like, when you let people out... <sighs> They're going to be out. The first place they're going to go is bars and restaurants. That'll be one of the – the hardest hit sectors will be the fastest recovering sectors. The airlines, because they're going to give – I, I know you hate – I don't mean you personally, but I'm talking to the audience. I know you hate the multi-billionaire airline owners, but airlines are a national security issue. You have to have functioning airlines in 2020. It's it's the it, no matter what you have to do, you can't let the airlines fail. It's it's almost as bad as letting the banks fail. In fact, it would probably cause the banks to fail. So as bad as it sucks, as nasty as the medicine is, they're not going anywhere. They will bail the, the airlines out. So all of a sudden, everybody's going to be wanting to go somewhere. All these businesses that are in shutdown mode, the first thing you're going to do is go out and do what you're going to short. I guarantee you every. Every company that has their crap together right now is saying, what is our plan to make sure our customers don't go away after this and go somewhere else?
1: True. Wh- Airlines wh- have really cheap tickets right now for the summer, just saying.
0: Yeah. When I looked, it was like six this week's out, and then boom, it went right back up. Almost yeah. like they know something.
1: Almost, almost. Yeah,
0: almost like they know something. It's
1: still cheap. Like, I can get to Oregon and back 400 bucks, which is a pretty good price to Oregon and back. When? uh, 400 bucks in the summer.
0: In the summer. Huh.
1: Not 600 bucks. So, that's
0: that's pretty good. I I would probably pay eight because I'm flying first class. Right. That's my advice for any. Okay, here's another reason to have a side hustle if you have the right side (laughs) hustle. You can almost turn anything, especially a trip, into a tax deduction. True. And it was Amy, as in Bones and Amy, who turned us on to. We were always flying first class. She said, "You can take it as a deduction or give it to the government." Okay. Okay. And then it's also like you know, Bloody Marys are twelve dollars a piece on an airline. Challenge accepted. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna par this this because I'm always going somewhere on a vacation anyway, so I, I'm drinking then. I'm gonna par this course, you know. Um, so you get some free drinks, you get some nuts, you get a meal, you get your baggage for free. Like when you look at it, this is a side thing, you know, first class, if you can write the trip off, almost is a net even. Almost a net even most times on most routes. Some places it's stupid expensive. Like right. if, if I can fly for two hundred bucks but first class is like fifteen hundred, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and fly coach. I'm paying the twenty five bucks for an aisle seat in the exit row, but I'm I'm gonna fly coach but if it's 3 three hundred bucks or less a person i between baggage fees writing it off on my taxes a meal um I, that will pay for it that will pay for. It. anyway let's let's get back to you got any other stuff any other ideas you said you got a big list there
1: i do i have a huge list but i think it's also important to talk about the mindset of finding these things right okay okay so like I think when you're looking at a situation like this, and you've started touching on it, like the big businesses already have a plan to make money, and so do you. You need to have one, and that means look at what's likely to happen. If you're not in Seattle or California, you already know how they're going to lock down other places and on what schedule. And With the new cure, that may change the timeline, but it's very likely that more restrictions are coming in, I think, still. Mm-hmm. rather than less in some of the areas. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for Tennessee to tell all the restaurants to close. I don't know if they have because I don't actually follow this live because it's, it's emotionally taxing to do that. Absolutely. Uh, and it, it makes it so I don't have the right mindset. Uh, and then as you look at that, l- define what people need, look at what you have, and figure out how can I get out there and address a need. And that can be through a gig economy tool like Uber Eats, right? Or it can be something you build on your own. I talked to a client yesterday who makes CBD and herbal teas. Okay. Their biggest source of income for their business is farmer's market. And guess what? Mm. Close. Yeah. They have one that's gone to drive through that they're not going to do, and they've all closed. And so we talked last night, and they said, you know, we really want to help people because herbal teas can help you with symptoms. And, of course, we want to continue earning money. So they they, they kind of brainstormed on it and decided to offer, offer free shipping and local delivery. They have a fee for local delivery, and they just went big with it. And so that's a way to say, so they already have that side hustle asset. If you are one of those businesses that are being hit hard, like John Dowey's microgreen business or another business that has a live storefront that you can't use anymore – Think about how to become a mail order business and think about how to communicate that. Because if you communicate that right now, like today, Mm -hmm. you're going to see orders coming. I I have a client who just built a Elderberry syrup site, and they're hardly doing any marketing, and I'm starting to see their orders come in. Because guess what? Elderberry is the life-saving tool in coronavirus. So, you know, there is so much opportunity, it's hard to list them all.
0: Yeah, I, I would say, like, on that, just to see it kind of from a larger business's perspective, um, while I'm not an affiliate for ButcherBox because they're a sponsor and I see a conflict of interest there, so they just pay me with me, I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. I am on, like, their affiliate newsletter because they track my sales so they know. So I'm uh, basically in their affiliate program at a zero, right? Um, well... So I get their emails. I got an email yesterday because I am known in their system due to volume as an influencer. Mm-hmm. And they didn't send this to all their affiliates. They sent it to their influencers, whatever that threshold is for them. And they basically said, we're asking influencers to not promote us right now.
1: Yeah. We, they're selling like nuts. They we, have a delay on delivery till the end of the month right yeah, now, I think.
0: They, 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 they are going to – what they're doing now is our priority – Is our customer base, and so I went in like, I went, I moved my order up when Estelle started, (laughs) and I put as much shit in my box as I could. There's probably going to be like a guy with a dolly out there the day they deliver it or something because it's like the box is going to be overweight, you know. Um, But that's an example of, and you got to understand with that, that's not
1: Amazon, that's a niche business. I did the exact same thing, Jack. I shipped all my coffee of the month orders first. Yeah. This this week. Why would the rest you? of the month with a note saying I'm I'm shipping yours first and now I'm dealing with the extra orders because you have supported me all year. Yeah. So yeah. you get to go first. And you will always get your coffee of the month before the extra volume related to coronavirus. And I didn't say all of that in the notes, but that's why I did it.
0: Do you know I actually Lost the opportunity for a job offer from AT and T back in my sales days because of my stance on that. Oh yeah, cover your base, man. Right. So they they I went. It was a grueling interview process, by the way, and this was for like um, network data sales, high level, direct to like you know like like the CTO level, and there was like one giant red demerit on all of this grueling shit that I had been through. And it was that when I was asked the question, if I had two customers that really wanted to see me, and one was an existing customer and one was a potential customer, who would I go see first? And I said, the existing customer. Because they already are paying us, and I can always explain to the potential new customer why I have to see them tomorrow. The customer that wants to see me today has a reason. Nobody asks to see the salesman for their freaking data, you know, WAN because they're happy. Even when you're just showing up in town, you want to go see your customer, visit them, take them to lunch. You always have to, like, ferret your way in there. If they ask to see you, something's bad wrong. And they they basically said, well, we're going to put you through this training and all, and you're going to have to get over that. And basically, the the, the message was, we have an offer letter waiting for you right over there. We just need to stick your name on but you had to change your position on this. And you're so good everywhere else, we're willing to tell you that we normally wouldn't. And I'm oh, like, man. I'm like, go screw.
1: Because
0: yeah. it's not gonna, it's not, I'm going I'm to wash out of this program anyway. It's not going to work out because I'm never, I can tell you what you want to hear, but I'm never going to do that shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's, that's how you have to be in this type of situation. You got to take care of the people that have been taking care of you. What's, Absolutely. The, what's the old, what's the old cliche? Dance with the one that brung it. I'm glad, to, That's see 100%. You. I'm glad 100%. to see you doing that, but I I'm not surprised. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, no, I just I it was you know.
0: <laughs> why wouldn't you?
1: They're my they're my long term support and they're why I'm able to live the way I do, so they get they get served first. Task have you heard of that?
0: Uh, yes, but I don't remember what it does.
1: <laughs> so it's an app where you people can post, Hey, I need to put together this piece of furniture or yeah. I need this this thing reorganized, and then you can say I'll do it for X amount. Hmm. Just a quick odd job thing. And stuff like that is perfect. for. Uh, if you want to start seedlings right now, people are really interested in gardening all of a sudden. Mhm. And the seedlings are clearing. Uh, here, they're clearing off the shelves pretty quickly. Wow.
0: Well, so, you know what? You could go get a $100 worth of shit and grow mm-hmm. an awful lot of seedlings really fast with hydro. Just saying. Yeah,
1: if you've been following Jack's methods for growing via hydro and you already have that set up, maybe put a few extras out and... Get ready to sell them.
0: (laughs) You know, if if you're somebody that built My Vertical Farm, it'll grow about 60 plants at a time. I bet I could start... Let's see. I was playing with the top tray last night. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. If I didn't add a tray, if I didn't add a shelf, did 25, and then that was two rows, could probably fit... I'm trying to do, like, spatial recognition in my head right now. Mm Mm-hmm. 300 a shelf? Three shelves, 900 plants in a four-by-two space. I think that's Ninth. about right.
1: I'm gonna, let's say
0: let's say it's 200 a, 200 a shelf. I, I know 200 is not a stretch because we're only growing them a the starter size, right, at that point. Right. So 200 a shelf, uh, yeah, I could do 200 a shelf, 600 plants, a dollar plant, $600. Plants ready for transplant at about 18 to 22 days.
1: Yeah, and if you want to add them in pots with dirt after that, and go two to three dollars a plant, it's even more. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you are. I have all these little transplant like pots around. I can totally do that with.
0: I could do I could do way more than that because I could do what we learned yesterday from our guest James White, who helped me with all this stuff. Yeah. And basically, you could just fill a flood tray with plugs, no net pots, no nothing. Oh, that's how I do it here. Throw your seeds in and you could stuff the tray wall to wall with plugs. Yeah. And then I would I would estimate minimum five hundred a tray. So three tray, vertical system, fifteen hundred plants, and then you know, you're not gonna have that huge roots because they're kind of all stuck together. Yeah. And you could just take those and shove them into six packs. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to put dirt in or anything. You just shove the plugs here, plant the whole thing,
1: and you I could sixty-four see the... plants in a twelve by twelve tray, oh, plug to plug, sixty-four yeah. for, for twelve
0: by twelve. So I could probably put a thousand in a four by. I don't. I,
1: I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to visualize something
0: that, and I'm good with that. But right now, it's like a stupid spatial <laughs> relationship that I I can't even get my head around. Yeah, and I would do it in like ten, ten or ten, twenty trays, and then yeah. set the tray in the larger tray. And so, like, like starting plants, you could start so many plants and because you can do it indoors and you can run your lights at 18 hours yeah 25 days is 50 days so you yeah, can so if you start now you're good to go in a month. In a month and that's probably right when everybody's like shit, I need to get my garden in, life's back to somewhat normalcy, etc.
1: And I want to grow more of my own food. I think the other opportunity is uh training people how to live like we do. Yeah. That's like what you and I do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You know, there's that show Homestead Rescue. Yeah. You know, how about marketing yourself is if you, if you, if you get with me, you won't need them. Let's not need, let's not get your homestead to where it needs to be rescued. Let's not go out and buy 27 goats when you don't know anything about goats. Oh my gosh. Let's figure out how to feed your family (laughs) three meals a week from your property. Because if you can do that right now, you don't even care. You don't even care because you you always have some, like, even people that are unprepared have some food stored unless you're, like, stupid and live in New York City. Right. You know, because they don't have any room. They don't have any place to put their food. The fashionistas. You can
1: make a beautiful wall sculpture with canned goods in New York City.
0: That's kind of what you have to do, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I covered a thing a long time ago, one before I met you, called the fashionistas, and it was like a salon mag or something like that. And it was New York City, and it was all the, most of it was women. It was some men too, but it was mostly women. They stored their shoes and their clothes in their oven and their refrigerator. Because they had yep. no room in their New York City flat. Those people are screwed. You know, I I'll, I'll say is I hope that takeout that they let you go to the restaurant pickup stays. Because, yeah. you know, man. God, you're screwed right now.
1: If not, you're dependent on the National Guard to deliver you whatever they're delivering you. And they'll, they'll do it if they have to. And they will. Well, I mean, they've already started, I think, in really? some places. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I read an article. I didn't verify the facts. So that was about a week ago. Well, they did it in Wuhan. They yeah. would have
0: a thing where, like, your phone would ring. Your shit's here. You came down. And, like, a guy wearing a mask with a stick would hand you your bag with a stick across a barrier, and then you went back to your apartment. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the things I want to dispel hysteria with. If they didn't round people up and put them in FEMA camps in China, okay, they're not going to do it here. No. Okay, I mean... They want you to stay home. They want you to stay home, and what they want is this to be over. Again, I'm back to they want us to be fat, happy, and stupid, eating Twinkies and paying taxes, right? This is not a new world order plan to exterminate the planet. Or put you in a FEMA camp. And the people that are saying that, will you please I'm not even gonna do it. Just just you know what? Spr- you're right, so you're spr- gonna die. You're gonna die. So just go kill yourself right now and get it over <laughs> with. Right? Go or go oh, get okay. in your bunker and wait for it to all begin. Either or, but please go leave normal people alone that are trying to get through a bad situation.
1: Who are scared and you're scary the more and that's the worst part.
0: You know, I, have you seen all the posts about go go read Lights Out like David Croft, which I love the book by the way, you know. or uh, mm. all these like prepper porn books basically, Patriots yeah. come and collapse and all. Go read that right now. Like don't read that right now. Like I, I put out <laughs> yesterday, go go watch <laughs> Wartime Farm.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I'm gonna do it this weekend. It's a fantastic. I've never seen it, I've always wanted to see it, and this weekend is when I get to be home doing projects where I can see something while I'm doing something. It's perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wartime Farm is and all of the things out of that group. Um, there's Tudor Monastery Farm was the last one they did. It's probably the best produced because it was like the fifth series that that group did. So they like they had really nailed the formula by then. Um, there's an older one called Tales from the Green Valley. It was the first one they did. It was like life in the 1600s in, in the countryside in England as mm-hmm. a peasant. Um, there was Victorian Farm and there was Victorian Pharmacy and then there was one other one. And they were all good. But the reason Wartime Farm is so poignant right now is you're talking about people living with rationing yeah, for five years and understanding sacrifice because, like, in that thing, you'll see, like, you would think, well, the farmers had it made. And they did have it better than people in the city, but a lot of what they were producing was under rationing, and it wasn't like, well, you take what you want and then sell what you don't want like a farmer does now. No, They had like everything they did was rationed even their own production like a pig like a cow whatever like they had pig clubs so like you and your neighbors get a pig and you take all your scraps and feed the pig and you would think okay well at the end of that you cut the pig up and everybody gets shares of the pig sort of so what happened was at the end of the pig club they cut the pig in half and half the pig went to the city to feed people and then the people that participated in the pig club got their portions of the other half Okay, we did not have rationing like that in the United States in II, but we had rationing. Yeah, we did. There were like, people, Oh, my God, they're making me stay home. There were places in this country that you had on the, on the coasts that you had to turn your lights out in your own home or black out your windows because they were afraid of being bombed. And the car, if any cars were on the road, they painted the top of the headlights black. So there was just enough light shining out so you could drive without killing somebody else. But it made it harder to be detected from uh, a, a, an airplane.
1: This My is, grandma used to draw a line up the back of her leg because she couldn't have nylons because they were using the nylon. I for was going to
0: say that. Yeah. Like, say they, yeah. D- they did the same thing. Like, there was no nylon stockings, there were certain things you couldn't get. In England, women started using um, flower sacks to make dresses.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the flower sack companies started making their sacks in prints so that when you bought a flower like a brand of flower you're like oh that has a different pattern than the one i've already done yeah <laughs> right Brilliant. okay now you were talking about side hustles now if you want to start thinking creatively i don't think that's a market right now probably not but that mindset what can we do to address the problem what yeah. can i do to be unique what can i do to be different you can get flower from anybody but we have the flower print this week Right? Yeah, you,
1: you can make rags out of old clothes, and people can buy them from you. You can show them <laughs> how, and they can learn how to use undershirts to have unlimited paper towels that aren't paper.
0: You know, the lesson in this is we're going to get our asses literally saved by an 80-year-old medication we already had. Yeah. And we're dealing with an illness, despite all of the hysteria, is about a 1% death rate. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many ways you try to twist that because you want it to be bigger. It's about a 1% death rate. The best data we have is South Korea, and it's because we have more testing. And I think even that number is skewed, right? There's a lot more people with this that have no symptoms than we'll ever know about. We'll never know, what the re- but it's around 1%. Take this. Let's not have a medicine that cures the majority of cases that's 80 years old. We have to make a new one. And take that death rate to 3%, a real 3%, not the fake inflated 3% they've been trying to throw around.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now what do you got? Now you have a problem. Big problem. A big problem. That can happen. It's always been my disaster I fear the most. And I'm hoping that right now we can wake America up. But I think the side hustle, like I, I can afford the podcast every day because I make money doing it. If you want people out there teaching people how to garden, they need to be able to make a living doing it. True. Right, that job doesn't exist. So, you, if you want to do it, you have to make the job for yourself. That's that's when you got mastery of side hustle. Like entry level side hustle is DoorDash. Right or the shed right. the shed thing Brian does where you slap you know prefab yeah, sheds together for people that's a right? great idea that's awesome it's
1: like by the way killing it in Seattle on side hustles right now oh I know if I you know. just follow him on Facebook you'll get fifty thousand other ideas
0: yeah it, Brian Norton guys we'll make sure there's a link to his Facebook profile for yeah to show yeah. right so there's all kinds of things but like those are like entry level side hustles because you are dependent on some other system side hustle mastery is holler rust coffee. Because even if you had a downturn, you have effective marketing, you have a customer. See, the thing that you want, the thing that you want more than anything else in a business is a customer base. If all your customers are new customers, you are most susceptible to a downturn like this. If most of your business or half of your business is repeat business, you are less susceptible. Then it's a demographic analysis, like what happens to those customers in a crisis, if you can figure out how to have a customer base that becomes more, not less, dependent on you during a crisis, you're freaking gold. You're yeah. freaking gold. Now, I doesn't mean we can't have like a world-ending bubonic plague event. We can. But this ain't it, and the next one likely won't be either. could be worse. could be better. Who knows? But damn America, learn, huh?
1: <sighs> I hope they do. I mean, and the thing is, the risk is, from here, how do we talk about why we need... Deregulation of gig economy rather than more regulation to get through something like this again. I, because I, I think the, it's my, the narrative on the latter is already out there, and the narrative on the former is not. Correct. We need to talk about how we were able to make it through this because of Uber Eats.
0: I think it's a, a better version of my fake Jeff Bezos message, mm-hmm. um, where you know we were there for you. Now be there for us. I think that's a message that all of us that are solopreneurs and advocates of the gig economy need to be taken and we need to run with that. We need to point out to Americans these people and these services kept you going. You know what I mean? They they kept they kept America fed.
1: Yeah, local farmers are are I'm seeing a lot of them offer delivery and yeah. not raising their prices.
0: Yes, and not raising their
1: prices. Not raising their prices and they can
0: yeah, say that again, not raising their prices. <laughs> I mean, and that should be pointed out, too. And you know what? Grubhub and all that stuff, they're not really raising their prices either. You know, I mean, I don't know how, like, probably a little bit more, because that's a demand-driven service, but it's not like they're raping people or anything right
1: now. No, no, they're offering, you know, 30 free deliveries or things like, I don't know if that's right, but I've been seeing advertisements where they're offering try our service for free. Yeah, yeah, they're They're putting money into this because they want new customers, and they see an end to it. And then people will be like, man, I can get this stuff without having to leave my house. This is awesome.
0: Yeah, well, see, once you try it, um, you, you, you end up going, I like it. Like, I remember the first time I ever took Uber. I took Uber because of the situation. I was at a convention, staying at a hotel. The hotel was at the airport I was flying into and out of. Renting a car. When I was going to be there for seven days and five days being this convention at the hotel that I was already at made no sense. Right. And so I'm like, well, whenever we do have to go somewhere, I'll use Uber. Well, I used Uber for one trip and I went, well, I, 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 I'm I, doing this forever now. <laughs> and I was kind of skeptical on Uber. I really didn't understand how it worked or whatever. And to the point where like when we went to Asheville a couple of years ago, we had a car because we were doing so much driving around. But Asheville, like the best thing Asheville has going for it, is the dining scene. It is like top-end New York City dining with none of the bullshit, you know. And yeah. so we would we would go do our hikes and everything, and we would take the car. And then our hotel was about eh, five minutes ish from you know downtown Asheville, but you got to drive a car. And as I've always said, what's cheaper than a DUI is every other option. A helicopter ride to the penthouse of the Ramada is cheaper than a DUI. So don't don't get one, especially on vacation. If anything will ruin a vacation, a DUI will ruin a vacation, right? So we would come back to our hotel, get cleaned up, get ready to go to dinner, and use Uber or Lyft to go into town and back. That way I could have two or three drinks, and I'd have to worry about having my vacation ruined or ending up in prison. You know. Uh, and adding up with my life ruined. And ended up with my livelihood at risk. It, like, it just avoided all that. And so that's an example of, like, once you try it, you keep it. And then those of you that are setting up side hustles, if you have any way to do that inexpensively, to let people get a taste, there's a reason a drug dealer gives you the first one free. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you got to take that mentality, too. How can I do that? And the side hustle companies like DoorDash or whatever giving away, you know, a couple free deliveries, that makes perfect sense. Like, they're smelling the opportunity right now instead of the crisis.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny how you can tap in by not raising your prices. It is not evil to make money in a situation where you see a need like this and you fill it. At the same time, and it, and you've said this in multiple podcasts, if you gouge people now, that's what they'll remember. Yeah, yeah. And with a cure coming, they may remember it really soon. <laughs> yeah, get, get started, and then you know, think about moving forward. Have a little side something if you have time for it, if it's not going to distract you from your bigger success, because you can fall back on that. It's, it's like a little insurance policy.
0: Absolutely, I agree. So, you got anything else, or you want to get wrapped up now?
1: I'm I'm pretty. I think we've covered
0: the topic pretty well, don't you? Uh, I think so. And of course, if people ask questions, we'll. We'll answer in the comments, but i tell you a lot of you guys out there, like, back 12 years ago, the discussion on TSP stuff was in the old school billboard forum that we still have, and it was in the comments on the blog. The discussion now is on Facebook. It is. And it's in the super secret, not so secret Facebook TSP forum. And if you want to engage in discussion with some of the coolest people, you will Ever meet, come hang out in that forum. There's links on the website, but I promise you, if you have a Facebook account, you can find our forum. You'll have to apply for membership, but we'll let you in. And we do that because then we can discuss things without Facebook telling us we're not allowed to. And if we have somebody causing problems, what do we do to them, Nicole?
1: Fan <laughs> hammer.
0: God. Just gone like a fart in the wind, man. I'm not
1: even going to talk to you. I'm just going to ban, ban you. you.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. You know, so uh, we're keeping the hysteria down. There's a little bit of it. But yeah, there is. if the hysteria is minor, we kind of try to correct it and help people. And if the hysteria goes like psycho, we ban hammer. Bye. Because we don't need hysteria right now. We need level headed common sense. And boy, I hope that this episode has people thinking about what they can do. Because I've said the word of the day yesterday and the word of the week and the word of the month and probably the word of the quarter uh, is something we talk about all the time anyway, solutions. Mm -hmm. I am sick of problems without solutions. There is no such thing as a problem without a solution. The only thing that separates you from seeing a solution to a problem is a lack of analysis, imagination, and creativity. That's the only thing that separates you from seeing a solution in a problem. Uh, in fact, I usually do a quote of the day. Let's end with a quote of the day, uh, Nicole, because I forgot. Um, because we got off on, um, COVID at the beginning. <laughs> and, but this would have been a great lead off, but it's also a great close. For, I'm going to tell you the quote, and you see if you can guess who said it. I'll tell you it's an actor. It's uh-uh. an actor whose character is known for, whose, whose primary character, like the character they're most known for, is known for overcoming adversity. But I don't think that's what the person was talking about when they said this, but it, it could be. I believe any success in life is made by going into an area with blind, furious optimism.
1: And I have no idea.
0: Dun, 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 dun. Oh,
1: Rocky? Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. I have seen that movie. Usually I haven't seen the movie, Jack, because I'm not yeah, Everybody knows the music, it.
0: even if you haven't seen it, right? But yeah. So the the reason this could be about that, Stallone wrote that movie. That movie was based on a real fight It was nowhere near as, you know, theatrical as the fight in the movie. He wrote that movie. He was dead broke. I think he sold his dog. Oh, man. To get the screenplay out. And when he sold the screenplay, he bought his dog back. He basically pawned his dog. Because he believed in the movie that much. And, of course, we know the rest of the story. If you are at a point where you need to pawn your dog, you're kind of one level above eating your dog. Yeah. So, to me, like, that's where we need to be. Blind, furious optimism countered with pragmatism. That's Mm -hmm. where we need to be right now. And I think that there's room for both. Blind, furious optimism is situational, not broad spectrum, right? Like we, like right now, if you go blind, spurious optimism and you're going to go running out in the streets, you're probably going to end up getting arrested in some places anyway right now or causing a problem. But blind, furious optimism for your goal, if you can do that, this can end up being one of the greatest periods of opportunity in the history of our country.
1: Yes, and and I think something else you teach that's important is to start asking yourself, how can I? How can I?
0: And I would add to that, be of service. How can I be of service? Because that's what side hustles are always about. There has to be somebody or something on the other side of it, or there's no revenue. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: How can I be of service here? How can I create a service here? How can I create an opportunity for others to be of service here? And that's not even like, it sounds noble and great and almost like something you'd hear at, you know, like a Sunday service in church or something, and it's valid for that. But it's, it's like the great one of the greatest truths, because the greatest truths are valid because they're noble and because they serve your self-interest at the same time. And how can I be of service is one of those. It's like a total truth or an absolute truth because it is the best interest of others, but it's also in the best interest of yourself. Very few things do that, that have that overlap.
1: But things do have that overlap Absolutely. and you can find
0: them. You can find them. Well, hey Nicole, I appreciate you being with us today, um, and uh, you know, have a great day in the holler and, and, and get on roasting that coffee. By the way, just here at the end, your monsoon coffee is freaking amazing. <laughs>
1: it is amazing.
0: It was I amazing. thought you'd like
1: that one. <laughs> oh,
0: it's amazing. You know, because Brian sent me some of his, and I'm like, man, if hers isn't as good, how do I tell her? Because you know, I mean, I'll take <laughs> yours is better, man. Yours oh, is better. That is G. that is the best monsoon coffee I have ever had. It really is. The roast was dead on. Everything about it was perfect. So, um, and if you're not a coffee in the month, you didn't get none. So,
1: that's <laughs> true because that I've I've added some subscribers this month. So, all right. Well, hey, again, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me on. Well, great
0: having Nicole on. I want to wrap up here, and I want to give you some information I got during uh, this, and I want to maybe correct something, maybe change something about uh, the cola queen. Uh, Everything that I said is true. The one thing that I now kind of wish I didn't say because I'm not, I I can't verify it, is the 50 of 50 study. The study I can find from France shows 75% effective in reducing COVID to zero over the same period of. Uh, time where not using the drug, uh, 90% still had it. And it was a smaller study than mentioned. The 50 of 50, 100% number that I gave you came from um, a report on the Tucker Carlson show on mainstream media Fox News last night. That's where I got that number. Regardless of that, this is real. And what I have confirmed. Now, that absolutely matches the information I gave that came from my source uh, that I released earlier in the show and I released this morning, but I got the information yesterday, is the quantity of production of this drug. Um, I've been able to confirm that there are credible reports now of millions of doses being donated by Bayer. Uh, millions of doses being donated by Bear. Millions. There's a lot of people trying to spin this to make it not the good news that it is, that uh, it's just some random trials and stuff like that. Um, You don't make millions of doses available. You don't make millions of doses available if there's going to be random trials. You just don't. That's not a thing. That's not how this works. Um, Additionally, there's already the conspiracy mill. This stuff makes you go crazy, man! Makes you kill people there. Okay. First of all, there's multiple versions of this, and the one that they're using for this treatment is the one with less side effects. Um, All drugs—it's a toxin. All drugs are toxins. All drugs are toxins. One more time: all drugs are toxins. This one can actually be acquired in a grocery store, if you know where to get it. I don't want to say that because I don't want to start a run on that, and it's not a good idea to try to use it that way. Okay, um, This has been around again since the 1940s. It's been used for decades, and the, the, the incidences of real problems have come from deployed soldiers into malarial regions using it for massive periods of time. We're talking about a course of this medication being used over a week or two for a person who tested positive and maybe a much smaller course being used as a prophylactic to prevent infection, and maybe it won't be as widespread as I thought. But anybody that's known to have been exposed to, I think that's where we're going to be going with this. Will it work for 100% of patients? I don't know. Will it work for most? It, it, apparently so. Because while there is you know, one study, and maybe there's two out of France, because again, Tucker reported last night, 50 of 50, 100% cure. Did this study that's out now publicly continue and end in a hundred percent? In other words, when they stopped it and reported on it, was it at 75 and then by the end you know like if you just continue it out it goes to a hundred and is it still shorter duration? It may I don't know but that might be because again last night and I man, I had so much going on last night guys if somebody knows the website for this, the man who was being interviewed, Said so you can go look at all our data, and it was something like covidstudy.io or something like that. But I checked it, and that's not the right one. But again, this was reported. So I gave you my sources information, and I gave you information that was reported on Fox News last night. Which, if you're listening to this in the future, was 31820 on the Tucker Carlson show. That's where that figure came from. If that figure is wrong, and the other data we have is right, this is still the best news there is. Maybe instead of the walk off home run going ahead by three, it's a walk-off home run going ahead by by, instead of going ahead by yeah, three, you're going ahead by two. It's still it's still a winning home run grand slam in the World Series relative to the size of this problem. Again, if they're making millions of doses available, it's not just going to the United States, it's going all over the world in mass quantities really, really fast. Because it works. And again, not everything works for everybody. And I really think this is going to work best for people who have not yet developed advanced symptoms. And that's why the concept of social distancing, until we get through this shit, needs to remain. But this one development alone is probably going to help massively prevent uh, ER and ICU overload. This one. There's a lot of moving parts here that they still have to get right. The drive-through testing, that has to be done. The rapid deployment of this medication has to be done. The rapid deployment of other medications for people that don't respond to this one has to be done. Corners need to be cut. And, I mean, honest to God, if you have COVID, right, if you have this virus, the risk of advanced complications from the disease exceeds the risk of the medication, so comparing this to vaccines, if some people are calling this, this is not a vaccine, please stop calling it that. And I'm not saying it absolutely works as a preventative. I'm saying it probably does because something that cures something probably prevents it. Okay? Um, but if, if, if we were to compare this to a vaccine, what I've always said about vaccines, when people say, well, if you're not anti vaccine, when would you get a vaccine? When the risk of the ailment and the risk of the contraction of the ailment exceeds the risk of the vaccine to vaccine injuries, when I'll get a vaccine. So if I had never been um, vaccinated for smallpox, which I have, and had had smallpox made a return, you can bet your ass I would get vaccinated for smallpox. Because the risk of infection and the consequences of infection would exceed the risk of the vaccine. My personal opinion, again, having taken this medication during a six-month deployment, which is a long deployment, which is long enough to have consequences, um would be perfectly comfortable taking a week's course of this medication. I would not even hesitate if I thought I had COVID, if I had tested positive for COVID, or if I had knowingly been exposed to somebody who had. I would want it as soon as possible. That's my opinion. I do not think it's okay to make people take any medication. But I'm going to tell you right now, good news in the middle of a crisis, when people want a crisis, results in expansion of conspiracy theories and it's all coming. It's all coming. There are other medications that were in the president's announcement today that are going to also play a role here. And the government is moving faster on this stuff than they they have on anything ever. And I am the first person to kick government in the face and then step on their face. But when they do something right, they do something right. This is good news. Let it be good news. Don't let it be a reason to go to sleep, though. Don't let it be like, okay, it'll be all over next week. It's not We're not done yet. So keep your head down. Keep your gray man on. Resupply as you need. Use your hygiene and take care of yourself. On that note, you can always help support the show how doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. And I don't have a new item of the day for you. What I have for you is the same one I had yesterday, the multivitamins that I recommend as one brand you can choose from on Amazon. I don't care really what multivitamin a person takes. I really do not care as long as it's a quality multivitamin, and I suggest that you take a multivitamin in a capsule form versus a hard pill form because you're just going to get better absorption rates. I also had a lot of stuff in the write-up yesterday. I'm just going to circulate the write-up again today on QCertain. Even though I think we are on the precipice of a major win in this fight, don't wait on somebody else to fix your problems or protect yourself. As far as what's available on the open market that you can buy and take with no real risk to yourself whatsoever, as long as you don't exceed the maximum dose, uh, which is, I believe you might want to check, but I think it's 1,000 milligrams a day. I take four a day uh, at the direction of my physician, and uh, that's 1,000 milligrams. So I know that should be safe for most people. You always have to check with your own doctor. But the research on QCertain, and I've left the links in the write-up from yesterday and in the show from yesterday about the role QCERTIN has played and how it's been investigated with SARS, with Ebola, with other viral infections. And I, I believe, personally, that it probably does protect your cells from, the, from viral invasion. That's what the research says. I can't say it does because, one, I don't know that. But two, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. I'm not a healthcare professional. And I can't say that anything, you know, that treats or cures the disease. I'm putting Q-Certain in the might probably work, low risk, I take it anyway, maybe you should too, world. So that's the item of the day today on T-SPAZ. And again, I don't have a brand I'm recommending of QCERTIN because, because. Uh, This is well known. I'm not like the only source of this information, and a lot of people are buying it. So whatever's available quickest from a quality manufacturer is what I would recommend there. All right. With that, let's go ahead and wrap some things up. This was an optimistic show based on solutions and hope. And this song kind of fits that, even though it's kind of sung from a level of despair. But it's kind of sung with, I'm not done yet even though it's a deep, dark time. And it's by Elton John, and it's called Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. It's probably a song everybody's heard. There's a lot of really interesting stuff about this song. The Song Facts article on it is long. Uh, so I'm just going to link to that in the show notes today instead of reading parts of it from you. But one of the things um, that I found interesting about it, uh, of course, Bernie Taupin, who wrote most of Elton's uh, music, I think maybe all of Elton's music, um, said about this song that they wanted it to be big, like really big, like the, like to be like not only a big success, but like a big song. Like you've lost that love and feeling big is what, what Bernie said, which had been one of the biggest songs ever at the time that they were working on this one. And in the initial takes on this, like Elton liked none of the cuts. He didn't think he was doing it right or whatever. But in the end, this is probably one of the most amazing songs ever written. And it is talking about being in a time where things are really, really down, but not being ready for the sun to go down on you just yet. seems like a good song for a time like this. And with that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. I can't lie. No more of you, darling
1: seem to fade to black and white I am growing tired and time stands still before and changed your way to life But you misread my meaning